everybody, and welcome to Bearded Things. I'm one of your bearded hosts. My name is Chris. I'm here with my buddy, Tyler. Tyler, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Um, Can't complain. I'm doing okay. Today is my son's birthday, so Roland, if you're listening to this, happy birthday. Shout out to Roland. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we should have brought, should have saved some sound clips of him to play on his birthday episode, but it's okay. Yeah, that, well, that next year. Yeah, no, yeah, no. We'll bring him back for next year. He'll be live on his birthday. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> and then what's going to be funny is a year from now, people are going to remind us that we need to do that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, where's Roland? Like, ah, <laughs> shit. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, before I forget, if you haven't already, if you uh, can and are able to review and rate the podcast on wherever you're listening to this, if you could give us a five-star rating and a quick blurb about how much you love the show and the weird things that you like about it, that little bit of time will go a very long way for us. Yeah, it'll be great. And uh, before I forget, I just want to say shout out to the Atlanta Braves because we beat the Dodgers and we're going to the World Series. Woo! Yeah, I can't do a show like if you're going to be bringing that kind of stuff. Up, <laughs> it's like, I know that may not fly with our local audience, but uh, I was very excited last night. So. Yeah, there's, there was just a lot happening with Los Doyers, but hey, congratulations. That's that's all I'm, I'm going to say. Yeah, that's a very sincere congratulations. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I've been getting a lot of text messages from people who's like, yeah, you guys just have to beat the cheating like Astros, like fuck the Astros, blah, blah, blah. It's like, first of all, I don't have control whether or not the team beats the Astros. I hope they do, but it's not my personal, like, I'm not, I'm not coaching or anything, but um yeah, it would be nice to not let the cheaters win. Speaking of cheaters, uh, I will say last night's score was fake news. It was completely rigged. <laughs> Everybody knows it was rigged. Um, it's embarrassing for you. I'm just going to say that. Before we get any deeper down the Astros. Oh, see what I see I what you there. did there. Yeah, uh, It's time <laughs> for Banter with the Beardsleys. So what is Banter with the Beardsleys, sir? Banter with the Beardsleys is our fun, unscripted, super off-the-cuff conversation between the two of us where, like the name implies, we do a little bit of banter. We have some conversations. We get deep. But yeah, it's a fun kind of just little lighthearted take on certain things that we're asked because sometimes our topics are very intense and very heavy. So we like to have a little bit of a fun, lighthearted, hopefully enjoyable segment. Yeah, and I understand you have this week's question. Yeah, uh, I have a music-related question that one of my coworkers posed to me today, and it's kind of a would-you-rather thing. Uh, and the question is, would you rather bring back Tupac or bring back Elvis? Well, they're both still alive, so I think so. <laughs> Yeah, they're both hanging out in Jamaica, right? Exactly. So, next. <laughs> um. Okay. All right, I'm going to say... Well, let's look at Tupac's death for a moment. Assuming he did mm. die, which yes. maybe, maybe not. That's a whole topic into itself. Yeah. Um. Actually, I think I might cover that soon because that I think would be a fun one. That would be good. So, d d Tupac, the, the person was, from all accounts, a very loving, caring person. He went above and beyond for everybody. He would just give people money all the time. He was a very kind and generous person human the character that he created of tupac mm -hmm. like not the you know the the number two pac that guy he was you know 
he lived by the sword. He was a very aggressive rapper. He pretty much was the king of West Coast gangster rap. I mean, it mm. started before him, but he kind of perfected the platform of it. Um, it, it his lyrics were very aggressive. I, for example, take the song Hit Him Up. <laughs> Probably one of the most brutal diss songs ever recorded in history of diss songs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you live that sort of life, it catches up with you. I think DJ Quick said, when you rap about death, you're talking in spirits. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what happened with Pac. Um, assuming he died, <laughs> I, I don't think he deserved it. I won't say that, but I will say it was kind of an expected outcome, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you, you don't get to, to to do that and become that personification of the hood and, and walk away unscathed. So I think given that information on Tupac, <laughs> Let's look at Elvis for a second. <laughs> the king of rock and roll, right? Uh, probably the biggest recording artist in history, right up there with the Beatles. I, I don't know who's more influential. I mean, the Beatles are probably more influential, but as far as just world-renowned presence, mm-hmm. Elvis is like one of the greatest of all time. He died taking a poop. <laughs> he died on a toilet, found him with his pants around his ankles. Yep. That's not a good way to go. No. <laughs> like Tupac, he was shot on the Las Vegas Strip after a Tyson fight. Uh, it, you know, it was all gang violence and gang related. So he went out the way his character would have gone out. Uh, Elvis, on the other hand, you know, sure, he had a lot of health issues. He had a lot of drug issues and drinking issues. And he wasn't exactly the most honest man with Scylla, but... <laughs> he went out with his pants around his ankles. Like he literally was caught with his pants down. Yeah. So I think just the ending of Elvis Presley's <laughs> life, I deserve, I think it deserves some sort of respectability. Let, let him go out like a champ instead of a pantsless chump with a, a dookie floating <laughs> in the toilet. Yeah. So that's, that's my take on it. Let's, let's give Elvis a second try. What do you think? Um, well, like Tommy G, Tommy Lee Jones said in the documentary Men in Black, Elvis isn't dead, he just went home, so he may already be back. It's okay, we'll let him stay home and let him simmer. Um, I think I would bring back Tupac, not just to argue counterpoint with you, um, for the sake of the show, but also just because I think as influential as Elvis was to music and pop culture in general, I think it could be argued that like Tupac's early work and like how he was so influential in music but also started bridging into the acting he had a lot of acting roles you know and he was scheduled to do more stuff i feel like he could have been not like the same sense but like think about like how justin timmer like went from like oh he's in a music thing then he did like movies and then he was big in like the entertainment world as as opposed to just like the music world i would have gone with will smith but yeah I mean, yeah, but like Will Smith, once he got famous, he stopped doing music, you know, like once he got like the shows, he really, in, unless you include that one Miami song, um, he didn't really do a lot of like albums after that, you know, like, so I feel like Tupac could have been that person that did both still and could have really been part of that, you know, culture coming up. And also just like on a personal note, I fucking, I can't stand like the new rap music, like the mumble rapping and all that stuff. 
and i would just love to hear tupac like you were mentioning like the hit him up like the diss track like just listen to him go in on some of these like modern rappers and all the little people and all this stuff like that like it would be fun to watch and i just can't stand like rap and hip-hop right now like there's some good artists there's 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 a lot of quality people like there are some songs that i like but as a as a whole the current music the current generation like the the current state of hip-hop is not what it could yeah should be. i i agree i don't it's not i wouldn't even call it hip-hop it's just weird like i don't know like I don't know. I don't like it. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but uh, that could just be me being like the old man, like back in my day, you know, our rappers were actual gangsters, you know, like, um, I don't know. I just feel like they're a little bit tougher and it was better music. It, you know, stuff that, you know, like we talk about like the hit him up, like being this big diss track, but there was also songs where he was trying to empower women and give voice to things that were happening. Like with Brandon's got a baby and all this stuff. Like, he was trying to bridge that gap and be that person outside of the the persona of like, you know, the gangster rap dude, but he was also trying to like, you know, bring knowledge and information, like, you know, bring this stuff to light that these are things that are actually happening in like the inner city in these different places. You know how, what's a good sign of a good artist is, you know, 20 years later, they still bump their music. Mm-hmm. they're still bumping Pac. They're still bumping, you know, Snoop Dogg's doggy style. Like mm-hmm. all of that is still in heavy rotation and not just by old people because the music was that good. So it's not even like a, a generational thing. Good music is good music. Exactly. I, I could, I could definitely see where you're saying. I just, um, I really would like to see Elvis Aaron Presley not <laughs> be remembered for dying on the, the shitter. That, that's all true. I'm saying. Uh, like Pac that's went true. out in a blaze of glory because that was the life he lived. Um, mm. uh, what is what I can't trying to think of the my, my, Hey, Hey by Neil Young. Like it's, it's about that. It's about going, you know, uh, it's better to burn out than to fade away. Is the yeah. lyric. And that's mm. what happened with Pac. He burned out. I mean, not physically, yeah. but like his star. burned out. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, I would, I, I would also, I don't know, again, to counter your point a little bit, I don't, when I think of Elvis, I don't automatically think of, oh, he died on the toilet. Like, right. But that's music, like the, the second, that's like the second or third thought that goes through your head. You're like, oh, the slick back hair, the handsome, the moves, the you ain't none mm. but a hound dog died on the toilet. Like, that's the natural progress of the Elvis memory. I would also be interested to see how many people out there actually like know that, that that's how he died. Cause I feel like that is a very well known thing, but also we're very engrossed in like music and, you know, you worked at like the radio station for a long time. Like, I don't know how common knowledge that is for like the general person out there. That's like, oh yeah, I love Elvis. Like, how well, did he die? Like, I don't know. Like that. That might be a whole separate conversation because yeah. I was <laughs> I was reading an article. I think it was in Rolling Stone, and they were talking about uh, guitar players today and why they don't know Jimi Hendrix. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's getting lost over time because the music changes. There's yep. like there was a whole period where nobody did a guitar solo on an album. Like yeah. early 2000s to like 2010, like nobody touched it. I mean, there was a few like heavy rock guys, but most of the bands did not do that. So mm. like the kids coming up, they didn't do it because their bands didn't do it. So you start losing the source. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of happening a lot with Elvis is like, he's not as prominent in like uh, his music's not played as much. He's not getting covered as much. 
His movies only air on like, you know, Turner classic movies. <laughs> and so you have a whole generation who only know him as like the thing that their parents and grandparents watched mm. and have no uh, exposure to Elvis. So like the, the, the lore and the legends start kind of disappearing over time, which is why you still haven't watched freaking Coco. This is true. I have not watched Coco. Yes. There's a whole thing about that. And I think that's what's happening now. Elvis. Anyhow. Are you, so you're saying I'm part of the problem? Is that what you're saying? I'm saying you can be, and you can fix that if you watch Coco. Maybe we'll do a Coco watch party. I think we, if you guys want to see a Coco watch party, let us know. We will do that. I know it was talked about last year around the same time when we talked about Dia de los Muertos and uh, someone was trying to put together a watch party and I think they failed and they gave up. So um, not going to point any names or anyone that lives on three hours island. from here. Yeah. Yeah. On an island begins with an H. Um, <laughs> but hey, I mean, other, uh, you know, I don't, this is a very random thought who that person was. But uh, yeah. yeah, if you guys put it together, you want to do it like I'm, I'm down. We'll do it. We'll do it over Zoom or twitch or we'll figure out a way to do a live and i think that will i think that will give a better understanding of uh of the question actually it's a very fitting layover with coco so i think once we sit down do our watch party i think you'll see why i choose elvis fair yeah all right (laughs) so (laughs) before uh we get into your topic uh we will take a quick commercial break And we're back. Woo! So now that we are back, uh, and there was a lot of chaos that just happened uh, <laughs> in the break here, but we're back. Everybody's happy. You don't know. Yeah. You don't no know. one will know anything about it except for the fact that we just told them about it. Exactly. Everything's fine. Okay. It's yeah. fine. It's perfect. Mostly. Anyhow. That's the love you. <laughs> very much. <laughs> so uh, we didn't get to touch on it at the top of the episode, but what are you covering today? I am covering the wow signal. Wow. <laughs> let's uh, let's get into it. If you, it, you're, The floor is yours, sir. Well, thank you. As mentioned a few moments ago, I am covering Owen Wilson's favorite phenomena, the wow signal. Now, I have to d- disappoint some of you and mention that this has nothing to do with the massively popular MMORPG World of Warcraft, but it's still pretty interesting and it alludes to some pretty crazy possibilities. And I do want to preface this topic by mentioning that If you are listening to this at work or next to your grandma or your significant other, please be warned because I'm about to talk nerdy to you. The wow signal is a, was a radio signal that was discovered on August 15th, 1977 by a team of astronomers at Ohio state university. They were able to quote unquote, hear this signal by using a massive radio telescope that was built called the big ear telescope. Now, I have to say that I'm not a big fan of anything Ohio State, mainly because of sports, but naming their massive radio telescope that hears signals from outer space, the Big Ear, is pretty freaking cool. And the purpose of the Big Ear telescope was to listen for anything abnormal coming from space as part of the much larger Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence Network, or SETI, as it's more commonly known. Now, why was the Big Ear telescope pointed to the sky listening for weird stuff? Well, that's partly because in 1959, two physicists from Cornell theorized that any sort of extraterrestrial life that would try to communicate would use radio waves since they travel the farthest, and they would most likely try to do so using a frequency of 1420 megahertz. Now, why such a specific frequency? 
Well, my friends, that's because at 1420 megahertz, a 21 centimeter spectral line is also created in the visible light band, and this only gets emitted by one element naturally, and that's hydrogen. And anyone who took chemistry will remember, hopefully, that hydrogen is the most common and abundant element in the universe. Therefore, it's theorized that any spacefaring species that has technology to travel to and observe space will likely know hydrogen is everywhere and will try to use that for communication. So now we know why we're listening to the stars, let's get into what the heck the signal is. So the signal originated from roughly the area of space around the Sagittarius constellation. I don't know whether or not it's in Gatorade, we won't get into that one. I'm sure that many of you have seen the signal and if you, if you haven't, we'll post a picture of it. It's nothing special. It's really just a printout of some seemingly random numbers and letters. There is one sequence, however, that begins with the six and grows in intensity. The sequence is six E Q U J five. It is the only time the sequence is seen and it appears to have lasted the entire 72 second window that was available as the telescope passed through that portion of space. Remember we're spinning on Earth, so we can't just point to one spot in the solar system and listen forever. Side note, this is even more evidence to prove that the Earth isn't flat, but they don't have their own big ears, so they aren't ready to hear that yet. See what I did there? After this sequence, there are several more numbers, mainly ones and some threes and fours sprinkled in, along with a one six and one seven. The sequence is circled and next to it, the word wow is written, hence where the name came from. The word encircling was done by astronomer Jerry Eamon, who was volunteering, volunteering to analyze the data by hand, and when he got the sequence, was so amazed, he had to write it on the printout. It's kind of crazy reading through a lot of the things when you like Google the wow signal and seeing there's all these code crackers attempting to decipher what the sequence meant. And many people have determined that the message was from extraterrestrial life, and either it was violent or a nonviolent message, depending on how they were interpreted. But unfortunately for them, and any of you listening who are wanting to try your hand at finding out what it means, that's not really how it works. The sequence is just a series of numbers and letters to determine the intensity of the signal. Remember, we're dealing with a 70s era computer here, and it has about the same amount of processing power as modern day scientific calculators. Astronomers back in the day used what was called a signal to noise ratio to convert and converted it to an alphanumeric system. Basically, what's happening is the radio telescope listens, processes the waves it hears, and factors out a baseline noise. It then listens in 10-second intervals, takes two seconds to process the information before determining an average intensity compared to the previous baseline. The computer then spits out a number between 1 and 9, and since it wasn't able to use double digits, it then switches to the alphabet. An A just means that the intensity went to 10, B is 11, so on and so forth. This sounds pretty basic, but we have to remember two things. One, space is really, really loud, or it would be if we could hear anything. In fact, it's estimated that if space was not a vacuum and it had air to allow sound to travel, by the time the sound from the sun travels the almost 93 million miles to Earth, it would still register between 100 and 125 decibels, or about the sound of you know being at a concert or so. Obviously, we're not listening to actual sounds with a radio telescope, but we're registering the frequency at which it comes so the computer has to factor out all the waves that are bombarding the telescope. And two, once it factors out all these waves and gives us the intensity, we need to know that the intensity is actually measured as the standard deviation. So an intensity of six is six standard deviations, more intense or louder than the average. At the height of the wow signal at Q, the intensity is measured at about 30. 
So it's 30 times above the normal average baseline reading. What it really boils down to is whatever made this symptom, the signal was super loud and intense and very concentrated. Another significant discovery was that the signal was only in one column. So the signal was a very narrow band emission. It was not really widely distributed across the galaxy. It also probably took years to download something off of LimeWire with that bandwidth. Probably the most significant bit of information to come from the signal is when it was mapped out as a Gaussian or bell curve, sorry for anyone who has PTSD from stats, to represent the intensity versus time. When you plot it out, you see a ramp up intensity to its peak and then gradually lowering of intensity in an almost perfect curve. This is significant because as mentioned earlier, the Big Ear Telescope can't be moved side to side. The movement is of the visible area comes from Earth spinning. Since we know the spinning is constant, astronomers can only see a particular point for about 72 seconds at a time. Since the signal got stronger as it became more centered on the radio telescope was pointing and then got weaker, it lessens the chance that it came from a moving object. In fact, some astronomers and many believers in alien life point to this fact that the signal had to come from a fixed point in space. Those same Cornell physicists back in 1959 who anticipated the frequency of signals also hypothesized that such a signal would be proof of an extraterrestrial civilization. So did we do it? Did we discover aliens? Well, the answer is we still don't know. There have been several well-documented hypotheses since the discovery, including some done by the patron state of nerds, Dr. Carl Sagan. Unfortunately for us, most of these have been discredited or unable to achieve any sort of general acceptance. The greatest flaw in all the theories is that we have not been able to replicate the signal again, either at the original source or along any possible routes further along the travel points. Dr. Jerry Amon spent most of the rest of his professional career attempting to replicate the signal. Amon himself once specula speculated that maybe we just saw a signal that was sent from Earth and somehow got reflected back off of some space debris. He later recanted the statement because after trying to prove his theory, he and his team kind of determined that the requirements that would have, have to have been met to see the signal at the time would be nearly impossible. Also, the frequency at which the signal was seen is part of a protected spectrum where any research or any transmissions, anything sent from Earth to space are forbidden. Now, obviously, someone could have sent a signal on this frequency, but to do so and you got caught, you'd be in a ton of trouble. And still, Eamon was never able to fully say this wasn't it. And he said that, you know, maybe it was the military or some side of some other type of agency that sent the signal to space. One theory that did manage to get a ton of traction was from a teacher in Florida named Antonio Paris, who in 2017 submitted evidence of two comets that matched the elemental makeup and would have been in the general area at the same time the signal was detected. This theory even went so far as to be published by many outlets claiming that the wow signal had been decoded. But alas, alas, the era of clickbait would doom us all. Those pesky astronomers and scientists got together and actually did all the calculations for the orbital mechanics and determined that the comet was in the general area, but neither of them were in the area at the right time that the signal was heard. They also point out that the comets do emit frequencies of hydrogen that seem to match what we saw, but none of them have ever been as strong as the wow signal. They also continue their unceasing need to be right by pointing out that if it was a comet, it would have the same or at least similar intensity when it was observed and no other signal has been seen since. Now to this date, the wow signal is still unexplained and seen by many in the extraterrestrial community 
as some of the most significant possibilities of a sign of extraterrestrial life. One thing it has done is spawn a ton of new research into radio waves and signals coming from space. Sadly, the Big Ear Telescope lost funding and was closed down in 1998, but many more sprung up, and many of you have probably seen one of the most famous radio telescopes called the Very Large Array, which is in New Mexico. This is a group of about 28 satellites that are shown in a ton of movies about listening for signals from outer space. If you've seen the movie Contact, this is where Jodie Foster is hanging out in the beginning when she hears the signal. Anyway, <clears throat> I don't bring this up for random trivia. I bring it up because the Very Large Array and its similar brethren in the SETI network found some signals a couple years ago that are still baffling scientists. They have been picking up radio signals called Fast Radio Bursts, or FRBs for short. These bursts are extremely fast, hence the name, and extremely powerful. They very rarely repeat, and some of them only last a few milliseconds. Scientists and astronomers have spent years trying to pinpoint origins and track the FRBs, and in 2019, they were finally able to do so. FRB 121102 was found to be a re repeating radio burst discovered by a team of international scientists when they pointed hundreds of radio telescopes at one source from a previous FRB. They discovered 1,652 independent radio bursts over the course of 47 days coming from this area. Like the WOW signal, scientists are kind of baffled as to what is causing these bursts. Some speculate that we're just hearing the waves of dying stars, but many are quick to counter saying that we know what the sound of a dying star looks like. And the FRBs are not them because they don't really match any of the same spectral lines, the visible light or, or waves that we're hearing from them. Because scientists are cheeky buggers, they decided to point all their telescopes and interpret the data until they finally found what they were looking for. They discovered the source of most of the FRBs saying that they came from a dwarf galaxy 3 billion light years away. It's pretty stupid far, I know. But for the first time ever, scientists were able to detect the FRB 121102 again. And what's even cooler is that they've been able to track when and where we can hear it again. And I know this doesn't really seem much like a mind-blowing revelation, but consider this. The energy released by a single burst of these radio waves is measured at 4.8 non-million joules. That's 4.8 with 30 zeros after it. It's enough energy to knock Mercury out of its orbit from around the sun. If you combine all the bursts together in a concentrated beam, it's 6.4 duodecillion. That's 6.4 followed by 39 zeros. Again, this means the energy, if it was close by, it would be very powerful. And again, this is more energy than the sun would produce in 530,000 years. So something is releasing stupid amounts of energy, and we don't know what it is. And I'm not going to say it's maybe evidence or proof of alien life, but I think it's a pretty damn good step in the right direction. Given the fact that the waves are taking 3 billion light years to get here, and a lot can change in that time, the fact that the waves are repeating, and in a way that does not suggest it's a naturally occurring object, is fascinating. And scientists seem to agree. In 2012, on the 35th anniversary of the discovery of the WOW signal, a team at the Arcebo Observatory beamed a signal back to the origins of the WOW signal. It contained some basic ge geometric shapes for communication and 10,000 Twitter messages ensuring that there is, if there is intelligent life, they're going to skip over us after reading these stupid tweets. And more recently, we are sending a, a similar signal out to the origins of FRB 121102, so any extraterrestrial simulations out there won't feel like we ghosted them.
now we just have to wait a billion light years or so to see if they are up and to see what they're doing. And that, my bearded friends, is the strange, fascinating story of the wow signal. That's one of my favorite, like, scientific, mythical, lore-ish type things based in fact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so crazy because it, 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 since it's not repeatable, it, it can't be deemed scientific. Yeah. But it happened. Mm-hmm. And it, there's, there's no denying that. I mean, the fact that, like, it... As they got closer to the origin source, it like it, it got stronger, and they couldn't mm-hmm. replicate. It's just so cool. Yeah, and it definitely. I the reason I included like the things of the FRBs at the end is like it's not completely wow signal related, but it's very similar. And to me, I feel like that's the evolution as our technology gets better. I think if we had the satellites we have now listening, we probably would have been able to pinpoint more stuff with the wow signal. I think it was we got very, very lucky to have been passing over that section of the sky and, you know, seeing that stuff or hearing that stuff and seeing like the, you know, the, the waveforms coming in, but it's definitely, it's like, it's like, I'll, we'll post a picture of like the bell curve thing because it's just, it's so perfect that it, you know, like it's something just staring at it and you can just picture like the satellite moving across and then like, Oh, Hey, look, we're getting a signal. It's a doop. And then it goes down. It's just, it perfectly matches like just moving side to side, how you hear things that, it's, I don't know. It, I know it's kind of nerdy, but it's just, it's crazy. It's so kind of amazing to me. Yeah. And so I used to do a lot of RF testing. Mm-hmm. So we would set up two antennas across a given space, depending on what, you know, the, the antennas we were, we were using and we would bombard at different frequencies and then just record those patterns. And then what a lot of people don't realize about the patterns, they call it black magic because you can't see what you're doing, but you're recording the results. Mm. So when you're looking at that bell curve, that's actually a 3D image of sound waves. It, it, you got to look at it like a sprinkler or like when you put your thumb over a hose mm. and then it, it kind of creates, you know, different arcs and different spray patterns depending on where your thumb is. It's essentially mm. that, but with sound. So it's blasting something. It's just so cool. I, I love that stuff. I geek out very hard. <laughs> But yeah, it, it's just it's just fascinating. It's not something. There's a lot. There's a lot of noise in space. Mm-hmm. A lot of noise. A lot of invisible RF noise in space. But the fact that we caught something is just well, kind of terrifying. Yeah, really. I mean, that's like the the bigger part of it is, and I think why people are so interested in studying this stuff is because, you know, there are there is naturally occurring, like we said, like with hydrogen, like the, it naturally emits a, a frequency of like. 1420 megahertz like that stuff is natural it happens but also for the intensity that this stuff is coming across and the energy that's being sent like i don't know obviously i'm not an astrophysicist so i don't know what could have caused that stupid amount of energy like the amount of energy that if it was up close would knock mercury out of orbit like i what would cause that aside from some sort of i think intelligence or like spacefaring species that has that technology to do that stuff you mean a star destroyer? Uh, yeah, that's no moon. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and that's when you think about it. That's the really scary part. Is say it was, you know, some kind of species or civilization. Like, if they have the ability to move that amount of energy, like we're fucked if they come after us. <laughs> like, Seriously, like please don't read the tweets from our former president. 
And actually, there's a fun little thing you can do if you have the time, bandwidth, and money to do it. Uh, so SETI, the search for extraterrestrial intelligence, has been defunded by 10 or 15 years now. So they started a program. You could go to SETI's website and actually volunteer your computer, connect to their network, and be mm -hmm. part of a supercomputer. They have thousands of computers all over the world they're harnessing the power from to power their satellites. So you could be part of that. If you have a spare PC just sitting around yeah. that's not doing <laughs> nothing, there's options for it, which is kind of cool to be part of science. Yeah, definitely. Part of something much bigger than yourself. Literally bigger than anything on this earth. Exactly, yeah. It's pretty cool. <laughs> so if somebody wanted to write in and uh, give us a topic for banter with the Beardsleys, give us a topic for a story, or, or just want to say hi, where and how can they do that? They can do that by uh, contacting us on any of our social medias. Our Instagram is at Bearded Things Pod. Our Facebook is facebook.com slash bearded things. We always talk about that really cool uh, Facebook friends group. And some of you have joined recently. It's amazing. Thank you so much. If you're listening to this and you keep thinking, do I want to join? Should I join? This is your sign to go join. Yes. It's called the Bearded Things Bearded Friends Group. And it's a lot of fun. We have a lot of conversations. And it's not always about spooky or you know like crazy stuff sometimes it's just fun random topics that we come across during the day so please join that it's a lot of fun we love talking and interacting with you guys we also have a youtube which is at bearded things pod and a twitter which is at bearded things we have a website which is beardedthings.com on there is a page where you can go to our contact us form and you fill it out you send it to us it comes straight to us you can also email us the old-fashioned way by emailing us at contactus at beardedthings.com. And uh, before we sign off, I just want to tell everybody who's listening, have a very happy and safe Halloween. Yes. Take all the precautions and give me your Reese's peanut butter cups. <laughs> yes, please drive slow if you're in neighborhoods. There's lots of kids out. And this will be the first time we've trick-or-treated in, what, two years. So uh, please be safe. Yeah, we want to we wanna see you next time. So that'll just about do it for us this week. We will talk to you guys later. Later.